0: Well, it's an honor to be with you this morning. It's uh, coming up on 20 years since I completed my MDiv at Tyndale. And my time at Tyndale, as I reflect back on it, was transformational in many respects. It gave me a theological foundation. It helped to form me as a Christ follower and as a leader. Uh, In a couple minutes uh, after this uh, service, I'm gonna head down the street to have lunch with a dear friend that I met at the ping pong table between classes 20 plus years ago. And he's been one of my best friends ever since. I've, during my time at Tyndale, I uh, had a mentor in uh, John Wilkinson who not only mentored me but encouraged me and continues to do that uh, up until this day. During my time at Tyndale, I met a prof who wandered into my youth ministry class wearing blue jeans with a guitar strapped to his back with a, a great laugh and discovered that he had a contagious love for Jesus. And that contagious love drew me to help uh, Dave Overholt uh, plant a Church in the Rock in Hamilton, Ontario. Not only did I receive all those benefits from Tyndale, but I also met my wife at Tyndale. So I've got a lot of reasons to be thankful for my experience in my time at Tyndale. As James introduced me, I lead a Christian organization called Arrow Leadership. For the past 25 years we've been focused on investing in developing Christian leaders who are seeking to be led more by Jesus, to lead more like Jesus and to lead more to Jesus. The key word is Jesus in that mission statement because Jesus in the midst of all the leadership materials and resources that are out there, I believe that Jesus stands head and shoulders above and apart from everything and everyone else. He's unlike any other. Jesus chose sacrifice, sacrifice that ultimately cost his life rather than entitlement. Jesus rejected celebrity and instead chose servanthood. Jesus rejected independence and instead chose submission. Jesus rejected worldly power and instead chose to seek his Father's will and glory, not his own personal gain. And this same Jesus turns to you and me and says, daily pick up your cross, and follow after me, denying yourself. Led more by Jesus, leading more like Jesus, leading more to Jesus, is living that out. Being led more by Jesus means taking up that cross, denying ourselves and recognizing that first and foremost we're not pastors or leaders, we are followers. And being led more by Jesus means developing an intimate relationship with Jesus, hearing his voice, listening for his voice, and following his call with obedience and with faith. Leading more like Jesus is about having the holiness of character, about having the skills and the competencies to lead forward like Jesus. And those two things, being led more by and leading more like Jesus, are the foundation for the next part, leading more to Jesus. Serving and leading is not an end in itself, it's a means to an end. That as a result of our leadership, more people would know about, would experience the love of Jesus and would follow after him. In seeking to lead more to Jesus, we're living out our role as ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, Paul writes that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though Christ were making his appeal through us. Well ambassadors are given, a, given an assignment by an authority. They are to seek the priorities and purposes of that authority. They're entrusted with a message by that authority. And our message is the good news of the gospel. Paul writes in Romans 1:16. He writes in a day and age where it was easy to be ashamed of following a dead, blaspheming criminal in a very powerful Roman world. And he writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I wanna share three short peeks into this passage about the gospel, this message that we're entrusted with as ambassadors. Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God Think about that for a moment, the power of God. God is all powerful and this message, this gospel, this good news has that power, that supernatural force behind it. The root word behind that word power is dynamite. God's supernatural explosive power. A reminder that it's not about us drawing people to him but it's about God and his heart for people drawing people to him so that all people might be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This gospel that has the power of God brings salvation. And when you unpack that word salvation, it means saves or rescues. It rescues from and it rescues for. It saves from and it saves for. And I wanna list for you what the life, death and resurrection of Jesus has accomplished. God's rescue from and God's rescue for. So as we look up at this next slide of the cross, what Jesus' life has done, it's brought us from rejection to acceptance, from isolation to community, from fear to trust, God's desires, we move from selfishness to service, from woundedness to healing, from lies to truth, from condemnation to blessing, from death to life, from darkness to light, from despair to hope, from strongholds to freedom, from slavery to holiness, from toil to purpose, from hate to love, from defeat to victory. Can I get an amen? That is good news. That is news that is unbelievable news. And I know that you know this news. But my question for you this morning is, are you still captured by it and captivated by it? You might know it, but are you captured by it and captivated by it? Because if you are not captured and captivated by it today, that has implications for those that God desires to be led to Jesus. If you're not captured and captivated by it, it means our churches are dead in the water. Are you captured and captivated by it? Well, this gospel that has the power of God that rescues and saves from and saves for is for everyone who believes. It is inclusive and accessible to everyone who believes in the person of Jesus by faith. Leading more to Jesus, our role as Christ's ambassadors, as ministers of reconciliation, not being ashamed of the gospel, pursuing God's priorities, his heartbeat, that people would know him and follow after Jesus. Brings me to another question. How would you describe your prayer life toward leading more people to Jesus, toward the gospel, toward the salvation of the people in your sphere of influence? What words would you use to describe your prayer life? toward the gospel. Well, if if you're like me, there's been seasons where I'd use different words. There's been seasons where I'd use the word, well, my heart toward prayer, toward lost people would be something i dabble in. I dabble. When I remember, I put up a prayer, but it's nothing really intentional or intense in any way. I just dabble. There's also been seasons where I've prayed doubtfully. I get that God can do the impossible, that this gospel is the power of God, it's like dynamite, it's supernatural. But I pray for lost people, people far from God with this doubt in my mind that I don't think God could ever budge them. So there's dabbling, there's doubtful, and then there's been seasons in my life where I've just been plain defeated is not even on the radar to pray for any one person, my neighbor, my, the people group that God's laid on my heart. I just feel defeated and not gonna do it. Don't do it. I don't know if you can relate to any of those three seasons, dabbling, doubting, or de- being defeated, but I wanna bring us to another possibility that God calls us to. From Colossians 4, verse two to four, devote yourselves to Prayer being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Praying for open doors, for clear communication, being devoted. That word devoted is much different than dabbling or doubting or being defeated. The word devoted is something really different. I remember my first sense of people who are devoted to pray for people who are not yet followers of Jesus. It was during my independent study, my last course at Tyndale. I approached Dr. Wilkinson with a big idea. Could I take my independent study on the road and go and be an intern for a traveling speaker in the States named Josh McDowell? And thankfully, Dr. Wilkinson gave me the green light and I went for the next six months on this independent study to travel around the United States with Josh McDowell. One of our assignments was to be in Florida for several weeks with an evangelistic campaign. The way it went was this, the newsboys would do a, a set of music, Josh would speak and share the gospel, people would respond and my job in that was to coordinate our prayer partners that would meet with every young person that wanted to follow Jesus and help them get started in their new faith journey. Then the newsboys would finish things out and it'd be an amazing night after night. We arrived in West Palm Beach, Florida, a nice place to arrive to. On a college campus, we show up to the the Coliseum where the event is being planned. 7,000 seats. And we went to the Youth for Christ workers who had organized the event and we asked them, how many do you expect tonight so we could make our plans accordingly? And they said, we have no idea. And I said, "Well, how many tickets did you sell for tonight? None." And I was, "What? Do you, how? How does this work? You didn't sell any tickets. You don't know how many people are coming. Maybe nobody might even come." Was my thinking. And they said, "We've been praying. We've been praying for weeks. We've had teams of people praying. And as soon as we were led into the Coliseum this morning, we've had those teams praying." They've been praying for every seat in this building, that God would draw the person there and that God would draw that person to himself. We prayed for all 7,000 seats before you got here. We even prayed, they said, with a bit of a smile on their face, for the toilet seats. (laughs) Devoted to prayer. Well, I went with faith-filled saying, I'm not sure what's gonna happen tonight, but it's gonna be interesting. Interesting. Well, the gates opened and quickly those seats were filled, every single one of them. The place was packed, and I was, wow. And then the faith filled Youth for Christ worker went up to the microphone and said, This announcement. We filled the stadium, but there's a problem. We've been praying that this event would be for young people to hear the gospel. So that means that there's people outside, young people who can't get inside, there's a lot of them waiting. So we want every adult, youth worker, parent to leave. To create space for those young people waiting outside to come and be part of this night. Parents, youth workers headed for the exits. When they were gone, hundreds of more young people filled those seats. The newsboys did their thing. Josh McDowell shared the gospel, shared this message of being saved from and saved for and invited any young people that wanted to know more about this, wanted to turn from where they were and, and follow Jesus to come forward, to come down and to meet me and my prayer partners. Hundreds if not thousands of young people began to move from their seats. So many so that Josh thought that they didn't get what he said. They thought maybe, they thought it was intermission or the newsboys were signing autographs or something. So we repeated the invitation and made it actually more clear and raised the bar even more on what was gonna be happening. That only led more young people to move and to go after this gospel that they heard about. Josh had to stop them in their tracks because me and my team of several hundred prayer partners were gonna be no match for this crowd. So, there in the middle of the stadium, he shared with them what the next steps were in following Jesus. It was an amazing night that reminded me, that taught me about what devotion to prayer is all about. And there was an after story to it as well. Remember those parents and youth workers who got up and left? What would I have done in that situation if I was one of them? I would have said, Hey, I've got a couple of hours, I'm going to go to Starbucks and hang out with everybody. What I found out afterwards was that those youth workers and those parents actually encircled that coliseum on a secular college campus and they held hands and they prayed, devoted to prayer for the young people inside that they would come to know Jesus. I wanna share with you one more story it's from one of our arrow leaders who serves in this city of Toronto. Her name is Monica, and here's what she, the story she tells. I would love spending time with my neighbors, Frisbee team and other friends. It's not always easy as my husband and I are different from them with our faith and ministry careers. Many friends are quite closed, but I did have one British neighbor who seemed more open. I wasn't sure where Bridget was at spiritually, but she seemed to accept me for who I was. I could tell her my Jesus stories, even the intense ones, Bridget was becoming one of my closest friends. Shortly before my second Aero residential, Bridget shared that she and her family were moving back to England. She wasn't keen on the decision as she never felt special there. My heart was broken for her and for me and I carried this weight as I sat in, Dave's, in the Aero class. The point of the class was Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so we may may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Monica's story, she writes, if I was honest, I had not been praying faithfully for my friends. I was present in their lives, but I'd lost passion to intercede for them. Can you relate to that? Monica says, I asked forgiveness and immediately began to pray for the opportunity to tell Bridget that she was special. I devoted myself to prayer. When I returned home, the Lord opened a door for me to tell Bridget that both God and I felt she was, thought she was special. She was touched and I continued to pray. The night before she left for England, Bridget shared that I'd become her closest friend. She called me an onion peeler who had helped her to see different parts of who she was. Perhaps the Lord was mysteriously working. I tearfully said goodbye to my friend. For the rest of the summer, each time I ran past her house, I would cry out to the Lord, asking him to do the impossible. Could he please send Bridget another Christian friend who would encourage her spiritually? I asked again and again. In September, to my surprise, I received an email from Bridget sharing that the very first people to befriend her were a A vicar, that's an English pastor, and his wife. She started going to their church and has since continued. The Lord heard my cries. Bridget's moving to England was a painful loss for me, but it's led her closer to Christ, and that has given me reason to celebrate. Thank you for the reminder that we are God's partners and that prayer is powerful. I want to go back to my question how would you describe your prayer life toward leading more people to Jesus, toward lost people, people on their way, people who are far from Jesus? Dabbling, doubting, defeated. God calls us to be devoted to prayer. Well, I trust you've had some great Learning already this morning, so I'm going to stop speaking and I'm going to invite you to respond. I'm going to invite you to pray right here, right now, right where you are. It might be something just you do by yourself, so feel no pressure to do anything but just to be by yourself, but I'd encourage you to, with a partner, right where you are, to, to stand and to pray. Maybe it starts with Monica's prayer asking forgiveness. And then asking God to do the impossible. Maybe it's asking God to relight your excitement about the gospel. Maybe it's for that neighbor or that family member or that people group that you've been doubting and feeling defeated about that God's unable to move in that person or that people's life. Bring them before the Lord. Asking God to do the impossible. Asking that you would have an open door that someone would come into their life to clearly share who Jesus is with them. So by yourself, with a partner, I'm gonna give you three or four minutes to do that and then I'll wrap us up. So I invite you to to join in prayer, being devoted to prayer. So stand if you wish. Sit if you wish, but come before the Lord in prayer. We thank you that you entrust us to be your ambassadors. Lord, help us to be focused on your priorities and your purposes. Help us to not be ashamed. Forgive us, Lord, for losing at times our excitement about the gospel. Relight in us, Lord. Help us to be captured and captivated by the gospel. Help us to remember your heart for people, Lord, that the people we just prayed for are desperately dear to your heart. That you know their names, and Lord, that you are patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Lord, help us to be playing our part, to be devoted to prayer, to be watchful, to be thankful, to be seeking after open doors, to be clearly communicating in love and in truth. Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power, your power, Lord, like dynamite, supernatural, can can do the impossible. According to your power, Lord, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen, amen. Thank you.